Abolition. Abolition. Today. I'd like to introduce you to Grace Coy. Hey, y'all. Green Party member out of South Carolina. And maybe we can get some of his thoughts on the weekend event and the culmination of it all. This is a thank you, Max. This was a tremendous experience, and I, I regret that more people were not here. Um, I thought the crowd was tremendous. We had a mixed uh, race, uh, mixed ethnicity group. There were lots of women, lots of men. Uh, it represented America, and the reason it represented America is because Americans understand that slavery is wrong, and there can be no exceptions to slavery being wrong. Wrong is wrong, and right is right. There are no exceptions. Now, we, but what we've done is we have actually put an exception. That's why it's called the exception clause. We have put an exception in the Constitution for the first time, making slavery legal, specifically legal in the Constitution. Up until then, it had simply been a fact. It had not been written into the Constitution. But after the 13th Amendment was manipulated to create a system whereby black people could continue to be enslaved, they tricked us. And an awful lot of us bought the trick, an awful lot of us believed that people had been freed. But as Frederick Douglass said, nothing more than a tremendous deceit had been brought upon us. We had been tricked. And the truth of the matter is, we've been tricked since the 13th Amendment was passed. At least the vast majority of us have been tricked. But there are people who are awake who understand that when you say, except, that means there's someone who can be turned into a slave. And that is morally, ethically wrong. Trick. 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 It's a trick. 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 We've been tricked. It's a trick. Trick. We've been tricked. Trick into thinking we need that. We need this. Tricked into thinking since we rap, we get rich. Trick, trick, my nigga, it's a trick. Trick, trick, it's a trick, we've been tricked. Into thinking that the art is a pie to be split. My nigga, that's a farce, it's a lie, we've been tricked. If you can name a record label guy taking risks, then I can name a misdirected guy that's been tricked. Trick, this is why I don't fuck with them. Only thing they taking is your publishing. Watch you make mistakes in the court of public sin. Got you concentrating on hitting the club, getting spins. Balling off of your budget, that's at your expense. The A&R spending five, they deducting ten. Trick, 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 ribbon trick. Trick, it's a trick. My nigga, it's a trick. Trick in the thinking we need them to exist. Trick in the thinking that my sister is a bitch. Thinking I can kiss these random bitches on the lips. Thinking that my health is not an issue till I'm sick. Forever having issues with my brother, that's a trick. Because we Crips and Bloods, we kill each other, that's a trick. Think because you do crime that you cannot fall victim. Think you can drink and drive, not end up in car collision. From day one at the hospital, they target our children. Say they gon' immunize them, they somehow get autism. Incriminate myself on record, speaking on my life. Expect to receive blessings out here cheating on my wife. Trick, trick, it's a trick, we've been tricked. Trick, trick, my nigga, you've been tricked. The owners of them prisons are magicians, that's a trick. Voila, disappearing in the system, that's a trick. Trick, trick, my nigga, we've been tricked. Trick, trick, my nigga, that's a trick. 
The pen is a black magic hat, that's a trick. Pull your rabbit ass out and put you back, that's a trick. Thinking it's a rite of passage for a black male. Ain't a real nigga till you enter that jail. It's a trick, it's a spell. You're bewitched, it's a L. You're bigger than that prison like Mandela in the cell. Made you fall in love with sitting in a prison room. Then swept you under the rug with no wicked witches room. What about your son sitting in your bitch's womb? Without you, he's a thug, prison business just resumes. Trick, trick, my nigga, it's a trick. Trick, trick, we've been tricked, it's a trick. Them 360 deals got them living in your pockets. Now everything you gross is hitting different than your profits. Thinking you the man cause you made a million dollars. They wave a magic wand, Uncle Sam fill his wallet. Trick, trick, my nigga, you've been tricked. Trick, trick, it's a trick, we've been tricked. Then, when we resisted or became a runaway, 
They told us it was a mental illness to want freedom from slavery, drapetomania. They lied. They always lie. So this week, we're going to deal with the runaway slave syndrome. And we've got some amazing musical mixes, just like what you just heard, that will have you pumped up and ready to do the damn thing. That's all one word, do the damn thing. (laughs) And for our Bridging the Gap segment, we'll have a special gem to share with you. You don't want to miss any of this week's educational and inspirational episode. So before we start, Max, tell us what you think of the opening track and how's your week been, brother? Oh, man. Yeah, that track got me fired up for sure. Um, you know, the, the song and remembering that moment because when we were there talking with Greg Jacoy and Scotty Reed, we were right in front mm-hmm. of the White House, like literally. You'll see it in the video, right. uh, which is on our page. And I know that that was one of those initial conditions of creation where, you know, we had done something that would have ripple effects that would go on for years to come. And it did. Uh, that's why we're here today. Another right. uh, ripple effect st- started today. Today was the uh, two years ago today on this date. I asked somebody to try to, to co-host this show with me. I didn't even tell them what the show was about. I just said I need somebody to ride or die with me, and it's a long-term effort. And uh, a few people answered, uh, and you were one of them. And uh, you were the only one that you know called me and said, "Let's get it done." And you've been here with me every week since then, and we've been kicking ass and taking names. Um, the For sure. this program and the education and inspiration that it has provided is very visible all across the country and internationally because we've had international world leaders come on this program and talk right. about uh, this issue alongside us. So, yeah, that was one of those initial conditions of chaos. Um, throughout the week, I've been busy as always. We've been preparing uh, mainly for next week. When you hear us next week, next Sunday, it will be one day after our first quarterly of 2022, and you do not want to miss that. When I say when I say our, I mean the Abolish Slavery National Network is doing their first quarterly of the year, and all the state reps are coming in. We got some uh, world class spoken word artists coming in. We got the descendants of the most famous abolitionists in the country coming in. It's just going to be amazing, including uh, some statements from some senators who I want to speak on the issue. So if you want to know what we're up to and what we've been doing, and you feel like you want to be witness history with your own eyes, come to that event on the 26th at 3 p.m. Eastern RSVP today. You can get the link right off of our page at Abolition Today. Um, So that's been the main thing. Also, uh, I was recently watching a program or I guess it's a vlog that uh, Danny Cook does. And shout mm-hmm. out to Danny Cook. I, I've been a, uh, on her program before as a guest. And uh, just the other day, she was playing this, these uh, videos that were breaking down how a number of black men and women have been murdered by the police. Maybe about nine or eight of them <clears throat> that she focused on. And it really was just mind-blowing. It took a lot of strength to watch this. But it's one of those things where soldiers need to know what the battlefield is like, you know? We can't turn our heads. Right. We need to know what's up. So uh, we all watched it together, and it's just it's heartbreaking. Um, at one point, I told her, I said, after seeing all of that, every black person in this country will run from cops. Like, why wouldn't they? At these, there's the evidence right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Say, maybe you're the good one? 
your children ain't trying to hear their missing father or mother uh, if you, you know, taking any chances. So it was pretty powerful. Uh, and she told me that she's got her own TV show uh, coming up, and she wants me to be her first guest so we can talk about slavery abolition with Danny Cook. So check the website again on our page, and you'll see it all there. So that's been the week, man. What about you, Yusuf? Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. And, you know, this is, you know, going back to, you know, without opening track, you know, just when we were in D.C. back in 2017 and just thinking of all the things that have occurred since then, you know, when we just had basically slavery abolitionists from all over the country, you know, many, some even came from as far as Alaska. You know, we all came to D.C. that day, and just to think where we've come in, you know, these few short years. There's a few short years, but it's a lot of work that had to be done. Uh, And just seeing that we're getting ready to have the quarterly this week, I'm really looking forward to that. As far as some of the things that I did in the past week, of course, you know, I I instruct formerly incarcerated uh, persons, you know, at Columbia University. Uh, teaching them software engineering and putting them on the pathway to have the former co-host there. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Formerly a former co-host, you know, and just putting them on pathways to be able to break that mold of recidivism. Because one of the main reasons or one of the main causes of recidivism is not being able to become gainfully employed you know, once they come home, the average within three years is only $11,000 a year in salary. So we're trying to break that mold by giving marketable skills. We've made strategic partnerships to able to put put them in, in the path of getting jobs at many of these major companies in software engineering positions. Also had a meeting with uh, Samuel Brown. For those of you who recall, Samuel Brown is the husband of Jamelia Land. Samuel Brown is the co-author of ACA3 out in California. Uh, he's, he's been home since December, and we're going to be making a major announcement soon of something, an additional program that's, that's going to be part of Abolition Today, you know, but it's going to air on a different night, so we'll be making an announcement soon once we get things organized with that. Uh, and pretty much the rest of the week has just been preparing for – I have uh, – I'm speaking at a plus event on March 22nd, so just getting, you know, all of my ducks in a row for that. Looking forward to that major event. It's a three-day event. I'm speaking on two, and I'll be the uh, third speaker that day. And, you know, I know uh, Jeanette is probably saying that is uh, March 22nd. March 22nd, all right. Make sure you, you give yeah, us a heads and, up and I and just happened to think of it. Yeah, I just happened to think of it, and I know Jeanette is probably looking and saying, I don't see anything for that, but I'm sorry, yeah. Jeanette. I'll get you that information for March 22nd. Uh, so that's been pretty much the week, man, just keeping myself busy, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to our quarterly meeting for ASNN. Yeah, uh, so am I. Speaking of ASNN, there is more news that I want to share with them uh, about them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a multi-pronged uh, effort that we're doing. It comes in stages, but the very first thing that has to be done is you got to end slavery. As long as slavery is legal and protected by the Constitution as an institution, there's not a whole lot you can do in regards to reform or change. It's all subject 
to the whims of the enslaver, and that's not how we mm-hmm. want to do things. So, as you know, and many of our listeners know, we've already abolished slavery from the Constitution of three states. We got four more that are already on the ballot for 2022. One of the, the, the very first state was Colorado, and now they have uh, put together a lawsuit challenging slavery in those prisons where they're making pennies on a dollar working in a state that has explicitly uh, abolished slavery and indentured servitude. This could go all the way up to the Supreme Court, Uh, but I'll read a little bit of it for uh, our listeners. They say that the lawyers argue that failure to work inside the prison is a class two violation, which can result in the loss of up to 30 days of good time. Punishing people for deciding not to work by holding them in prison longer, they said, amounts to servitude. A spokeswoman for the State Department of Corrections said, as a policy, the agency does not comment on pending litigation. The lawsuit was filed in Denver District Court. Kamal Allen, everybody knows who that is, the lead organizer with the Abolished Slavery National Network, helped pass Amendment A in 2018. He said, people, no matter where you are, no matter if you are free or incarcerated, you should never be forced to work at the threat of punishment. He said, it's extremely concerning to know you can spend a longer amount of time in prison for simply deciding not to work, especially when it comes to your health. Allen said his uncle served time in prison in California for a crime he didn't commit. When he was finally released, his body was broken down. He says, because Mm -hmm. there's so much forced labor. It's unimaginable how big of a catastrophe this is, Allen said. I just keep thinking to myself, what would have happened? had he been allowed to choose when to work rather than being forced to work. It's a really good article. You want to check it out. It's from CPR.org. It'll be also on our page. All right. So the theme of the program tonight is (laughs) Drapetomania, right? It's the runaway slave syndrome. And as I said earlier, just watching the videos and the stories behind the murders of young black people, men and women in this country, uh, it is enough to make anybody want to run. You see four or five of those, and you can't trust nobody. That's how you feel. But let's right. go to the experts. Tonight, I'm going to play about 10 minutes worth of Professor Manisha Sinha's Did Abolitionists Call the, Cause the Civil War? We're going to do it in three sections. So we'll give people a chance to call in after we play the first uh, segment, and we'll comment on what we heard. So without Further ado, as they say, let's go right into Professor Manisha Sinha, Did Abolitionists Cause the Civil War, Part 1, followed by Jack Ross, It's Okay to Be Black. You're listening to Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. I'm delighted to be here and uh, very grateful that you have gotten up this cold, rainy morning and you're here to listen um, to, to this talk on uh, abolition. So as we mark the sesquicentennial, which is of course a fancy way of saying the 150th anniversary of secession and civil war, many within and outside academia have questioned the value of abolitionist contributions to the struggle against slavery, which of course resulted in a long destructive war. The roots of this assessment lie in an old and entrenched historiography that caricatured abolitionists as fanatical, unreasonable, and extreme in their views. 
And you can see from this broadside, this is how they were viewed. Um, they were seen as a threat to the union with slaveholders. The long-standing historical demonization of abolitionists stemmed from unsympathetic contemporary reactions to them as fanatics in the North or as incendiaries in the overblown rhetoric of slaveholders. Countless Southern-inspired revisionist histories of the coming of the Civil War blamed fanatical minorities for starting, quote, a needless war. The tragedy of American history, of course, is not that the abolitionist vision briefly triumphed over inertia and conservatism, but that their reactionary critics of their moral urgency and devotion to African-American rights plunged the nation into yet another long racial nightmare. In my talk today, I would like to elaborate on two major themes, the political significance of slave resistance and the transnational radicalism of abolition from my new book, The Slave's Cause, which is available at a deep discount on Amazon. <laughs> Um, but these are the two themes that I think are the most innovative parts of the book, and that's why I want to talk about them today. The book is a comprehensive history of abolition that reevaluates it as a radical interracial social movement. Far from narrowing the boundaries of freedom as merely self-ownership and legitimizing new forms of servitude, abolition, I argue, broadened the horizons of democracy and gave birth to other political passions. The book extends the chronological boundaries of abolition from the classical pre-Civil War period back to the 18th century and rejects conventional historical divisions between slave resistance and anti-slavery activism. Only by writing African Americans free and enslaved out of its history can we view abolition as a white middle-class movement burdened by racial paternalism and economic conservatism. Slave resistance, I argue, rather than bourgeois liberalism, lay at the heart of the abolition movement. It was constitutive of abolition rather than distinct from it. To leave the enslaved out of the abolition movement is to profoundly miss the part they played in defining its protest traditions. Looking at this generation feeling hopeless. Looking across my shoulder, keep my eyes open. Keep my mind focused. Ain't no hocus pocus. Cause when it's all said and done, they will all know us. Trying to bring us down, keep us at our lowest. They thought you broke us. <laughs> but you woke us. Not a follow modern day moment. I'm the water to the seeds that become roses. Don't let no one put you down. Let me see you smile. Don't let 
will judge you, but God knows your heart. They say they love you, but leave you in the dark. Child, when you fall down, you better get up. Go on, dust your crown. So you just heard part one of Professor Manisha Sinha's Did You Did Abolitionists Cause the Civil War? And that was followed up by Jack Ross, It's Okay to Be Black. Wow, Max. So she started it off with a bang. You know, she didn't even warm up, give us a chance to warm up or anything. She just came out swinging from the door. That's why she's here with us today in this video. And uh, just so you know, I've already, well, you know already, I've spoken with her on Twitter, and she's willing to come on the program as a guest in the very near future. So we're going to look to bring her in uh, very likely during March uh, because we have a few other professors that are coming in, and I think it would be a good idea to bring her in then, especially fresh after hearing tonight's show. So shout out to Professor Sinha. She is a... yeah, that's why she's here, because she's just breaking it down real easy for people to understand. You know, and the whole thing stood out for me. And when she mentioned in the end when she was talking about how you're going to have this movement and not include the people most affected by it, we see this going on all the time today. People want to talk about abolition or they want to talk about what's going on in the the human rights violation conditions in the prisons, but they don't want to include the people that are actually being affected by it. And we, we, we see this all the time. So that resonated with me right there. The whole segment did, but then she just put the final nail in it right there. And the song, man, it's, it's so sad that we have to have a song telling us that it's okay to be black. You yeah, know, just so thinking us, about that, Max. They treat us like trash, like we don't matter at all. Like, you know, them Negroes did not free themselves. It was all us that did it. We did it. Right. You know, like, wow. You just, you know, push aside all the accomplishment, all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears, all the lives lost, who worked hard, as hard as anybody else to get this done. The very first abolitionist was not a Quaker. The very first abol- slavery abolitionist was the first African to get here on a boat. <laughs> that, in bondage. Right. That How was about the that? first abolitionist saying, you know, hell to the no. You know, and it's, 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 uh, speaking of, you know, just how many of us were instrumental in the movement. It's a documentary that's going to be coming out on the History Channel, you know, by uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lakers legend, basketball legend. He also played for the Bucks, but he's bringing this, this out, and that's what he wants to detail. It's going to be a one-hour documentary which will detail the involvement of black Americans in the Civil War, 
through the profiles of Harriet Tubman, Robert Smalls, Frederick Douglass, and the 1st Kansas Colored Volunteer, Volunteer Infantry Regiment. Uh, the National Archive recorded nearly 179,000 black men served in the Union Army and 19,000 in the Navy. Black soldiers also served in positions ranging from spies, cooks, nurses, and carpenters. And, of course, Harriet Tubman was a scout for the volunteers in the South in South Carolina. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, we aren't taught in schools about black soldiers who fought in the revolutionary and civil wars in defense of their country, a country who continued to mistreat them when the wars were over. Yet even that did not dim the intensity of their patriotism. Now we have a chance to set the record straight, and black children can take pride in their heritage. So shout out to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for that. Shout out. Um, Professor Sinha said that she wants to focus on two things, right? Uh, Slave Mm -hmm. resistance and what she called uh, transnational radicalism, right? Yes. And that there was these two separate things where, uh, for instance, one, anti-slavery activism at that point was separate from slavery resistance. And she wanted to point out that they were all one and the same, that it was just, you know, part of a movement, which she called, uh, what was the movement that she called it? Save Narrative Oh, here it is. A radical interracial social movement, she called it. Well, and I see that now reflected in what we're doing with the Abolish Slavery National Network. Uh, in the leadership uh, team, we have uh, people all across the spectrum religiously mm-hmm. and, and race. Uh, same thing with the states. In some states, you got people who are leading uh, that are non-black, and you got other states where people who are leading the black. You got other states where people who are leading from inside the prisons and writing bills literally from inside the prisons. Absolutely. Everybody's getting on board. There's no separation. We're all in this together is how we look at it uh, because injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I like how she put that together as one unit working together called Radical Interracial Social Movement. So I guess that's what we got today is a Radical Interracial Social Movement. Um, there is opposition, and the opposition seems to be like 98% from one uh, segment of the population. Uh, some of the definers you can find would be Republican and white, of course. <laughs> uh mm-hmm. Which is a shame because the Republican Party was originally the party of freedom, and now they are literally fighting to keep slavery. Um, so, yeah, she broke quite a few things down there. We want to open up the phone lines if you have any questions or comments. It's 515-605-9814, 515-605-9814. If you're already on the line, just press 1 so that you'll be in queue, and we'll know that you have a question or comment because we get a lot of callers who just call in to listen. Uh, if not, we'll continue with the show because we got three more segments to do, and she's got a lot of powerful things to say. The entire lecture is worth hearing, but we're focusing on the first 10 minutes or so of it uh, as it applies to our narrative today, which is runaway slave syndrome. And don't right. forget Are to you... go to okay. Amazon.com, pick up her book, The Slave's Cause, A History of Abolition. You know, I just went on and purchased it myself, you know, because I want to delve deeper into this. You know, Professor Singh was also an expert um, PBS documentary 
uh, on-screen expert for the PBS documentary The Abolitionist from back in 2013. Uh, when I was speaking to her on Twitter, I asked her if she had ever read Frederick Douglass's speech of 1888, where he denounced the emancipation as a stupendous fraud. And she said yes. So I'm looking forward to hearing her opinions on that. Because, you know, for me, that speech from 1888 was Frederick summing up his entire life. This is the things I fought for. And now here is where right. it is in 1888. Um, what was it, 26 years or so after the emancipation on the end of anniversary in D.C.? He said, I've been to Georgia, I've been through South Carolina, I've been through North, uh, North Carolina and Alabama, and I've seen for myself what's happening to my people. And he broke it down in such detail. If you think that you're an expert or you know a lot about the emancipation and you've never read that speech, you don't know what you think you know. <laughs> so make sure you read that speech. <laughs> right. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into part two then. Once again, you're listening Let's to Abolition it. Today. AbolitionToday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 The actions and ideas of slave rebels, runaways, black writers, and activists did not lie outside of, but shaped abolition and its goals. Some historians of slavery have declared black resistance to enslavement passe, but it was central to the making of Anglo-American abolition. The first wave of abolition dominated by Quakers grew in tandem with instances of slave rebellions and runaways in colonial America. In 1737, the hunchback vegetarian Quaker dwarf Benjamin Lundy, sorry, Benjamin Lay, pictured right here, in his 271-page Philippic, all slave keepers that keep the innocent in bondage apostates, wrote that, quote, notorious lies that slaves are content will never go down well. The preeminent Quaker abolitionist, Anthony Benazet, also pictured here uh, teaching black children in a school that he founded for African Americans, attributed his abolitionist beliefs to the devastation wrought by the slave trade on West Africa and to first-hand accounts of its horrors. Quaker abolitionists like Benazet, Lay, and John Woolman, who wrote a plea for the poor besides his pamphlet against slavery, subsumed their opposition to slavery under a broader critique of warfare, wealth making, and commerce. Far from legitimizing new forms of economic servitude, capitalism, and imperialism, as it is often contended, abolitionists start, right from the start were radical critics of their society. Besides rebellions, conspiracies, and running away, the enslaved deployed various anti-slavery strategies, at times petitioning and suing for their freedom. Judge Samuel Sewell was inspired to write the very first anti-slavery pamphlet published in Massachusetts in 1700, The Selling of Joseph, on reading an African couple's petition for freedom. Now, I know Sewell was involved uh, in the witch hunts, too, in Salem, which he came to regret. Uh, but I think he uh, was actually quite attentive, at least in this instance, um, to black freedom claims. 
In England, fugitive slaves recruited the services of the British abolitionist Granville Sharp in their freedom suits against their masters. The most famous, of course, was the decision in the case of James Somerset in 1772, which denied colonial slaveholders the prerogative to forcibly transport their slaves. Somerset was widely interpreted as having abolished slavery in England and would be evoked by generations of abolitionists and anti-slavery lawyers to establish the freedom principle or free soil in the northern states.
If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. Abolition. Abolition. Well, that was part two of Professor Manisha Sinha's Did Abolitionists Cause the Civil War? And that was followed by Dead Prez, Runaway Slave, and of course, my favorite clip of you know the caller that is telling her, yeah, if we'd have been, if we, if she'd have known we were going to be this much trouble, she'd have picked her own. <laughs> yeah, picked her own guy. Yeah, we gonna yeah. keep, we gonna keep her living on in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a very powerful presentation, part two there as well. For sure, For uh, a sure. lot of things tied up in that very complex uh, descriptions. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with the interconnectedness of everything. And Dead yes. Prez, of course, killed it, <laughs> you know. But man said, I'm dropping my slave name and rocking with my elders. Oh, brother, I'm feeling you on that. <laughs> yeah, you know? man. Rocking with the he elders said, here every week. <laughs> cut my head, cut my feet off, cut my hands off, and I'm going to still roll up out of here. <laughs> so I'm going to still roll up. He's like, yeah, I'm not just going to learn how to walk. I'm going to learn how to run. <laughs> And and that ties right in with with, with uh, Professor Sinha was saying when she started talking about the different strategies. See, a lot of times when we think, you know, of slave the slave era, you know that they that it was just about running away. But she mentioned the other strategies that were going on. That not everyone ran. Some you know had lawsuits and they had other means. You know, rebellion. You know, it wasn't just about always just running away, but it all ties together. It's all one big movement trying to become free. You know, that's what it was about. So I like how she tied all those pieces. She mentioned a lot of things, the freedom principle, free soil. Uh, She mentioned a lot lot of names, uh, even getting with the British abolitionists, talking about Granville Shaw. Uh, She mentioned... uh, so many things. It was just so, so much. Like, I'll have to listen to this quite a few times, you know, to uh, the whole lecture take more notes. To, for sure. Yeah, it, it's just uh, so much that you're just not going to get it in one sitting, you know, to really unpack it the way it needs to be unpacked. But it was just well, very powerful, Max. I've got a few things that I want to pull out of that, uh, what she discussed. Sure. She was talking about the Quakers, for instance, because, you know, they like to claim that they were the first ones to start abolition. But she said, no, that was going in tandem with the rebellions that were going on. And Mm -hmm. and that's really how it worked. And you see the reflection of that in today's society because we're literally repeating history. Here we are ending slavery very near to a civil war with the nation completely divided, right? Um, Right. And we're in the same situation. So it's a good thing to see what to do and what not to do, what worked and what didn't work. So we can try to avoid repeating history over and over again and maybe avoid uh, the aspect of, for instance, the Civil War. Uh, So, yeah, the the Quakers, um, somebody ought to have gone over there and told them, you didn't start this. You were inspired to start it by the tragedy and horrors that you saw. Uh, and that moved your heart and your spirit to make a change, which it should do to people listening today to this program, you know? Um, sure. I like that um, she talked about suing for freedom and the freedom mm-hmm. suits that went on and the free right. soil that, that they were preparing, um, because that's what we just talked about at the very opening of the show. 
Here we have just abolished slavery in a state, and now we got freedom suits coming through. And we're going to see these freedom suits come through all across the country because slavery as an industry is protected by the 13th Amendment. And as we've shown here on this show with your in-depth research and uh, breaking down these court cases, uh, that the 13th Amendment doesn't even apply to the state as uh, you can't charge the state with practicing slavery because they have an exception for that. <laughs> it's what's right. it called sovereign immunity. Sovereign so, immunity. Sovereign immunity. And so every time there's a violation of the 13th Amendment, it only applies to the individual, not to the state. So if you did some slavery and human trafficking and voluntary servitude, they would prosecute you. If they do it, it's perfectly fine unless they don't uh, unless they tell you it's okay to prosecute them. Which makes no damn sense at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. She said uh, there were many who were radical critics of society at that time, just like you see right now. And again, you can see how the agitation of black people daring to stand up for equality and freedom uh, and wanting to be free of oppression and segregation and racism causes a repercussion in white communities where they hate us so much from the very beginning that we dare to stand up against these bite the hand that feeds them so to speak because they look at it like they're taking care of us it's a very paternal relationship uh so to dare to stand up against them you see what has happened oh uh, you had a young white kid went out there shooting people got away with it right and now mm-hmm. Uh, they even charged us with terrorism. Remember, they said it was economic terrorism if we were to stop businesses from operating. But look across the water right now. Uh, not even across the water, right. across the border right now in Canada with the trucks stopping the entire mm-hmm. economy and also influencing global economies because of what they're doing. And nobody's right. saying or doing the same thing to them that they did to us. They told us we were domestic terrorists for doing something like that. And they made laws against us being able to do that. Um, They criminalize free speech and the right uh, to protest here in the United States, but then they turn around and do it, and it's perfectly fine. They're patriots. They're heroes. It's a damn shame. And there's a lot of people now speaking out about this, like we are right here, and there were then, and those were the people who influenced much of history. Uh, So, yeah, the black suits, uh, the black freedom claims are very – connected to what we're doing today because we're repeating that process. We're making those very same claims and we're clearing away the thing that has blocked us from making them so that we can, which is why I said I expect this to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. It's going to be a matter of states' rights, very much like marijuana laws are a matter of states' rights. In California, marijuana is legal or cannabis is very legal, but the feds still come in there and bust people. We spoke on this show about what they're doing with the money from the marijuana industry, where exactly. banks will Just take their week. money. Right. So they have to take these uh, armored cars across state lines to the banks that will take their money. And while they're doing that, the police are literally robbing them. They're stopping them in a state where it's illegal and taking the money, calling it drug money, 600000 700000 800000 That's what they're doing to them. So – no state is going to put up with that, and it's going to court, I suspect. And Colorado said no slavery. Prove it. Right. All right, back so to you. So for those – yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, 
just just what we dealt with a few weeks ago when the question was raised, is it symbolic? And here, clearly, it's not. Here's our first case. It's not symbolic removing slavery from the Constitution because it opens the door. Just like we said, it's going to open the door for these lawsuits. And as Dr. S- as uh, Professor Sinha just mentioned, one of the strategies were lawsuits, suing for freedom. So just as you were just saying, it's suing to not be forced to work, not being mm-hmm. forced at gunpoint to pick cotton. Senator Sebile in Louisiana, when he voted no, keep slavery legal in Louisiana, said that this was the most dangerous bill that had passed through their sessions, and if they allowed it to pass, they would have to reexamine every felony case in the state. See, they know where it's going. Right. Like, because you're mm-hmm. practicing slavery. Of course you've got to reexamine things because you've got Jim Crow juries. You've got people who were in those Jim Crow juries and sentenced to life sentences for 44 years who were framed and just got re- released recently. What's the brother's name that just got out? Ab- after 44 absolutely. Years? That's Vincent Simmons. Welcome Vincent to Freedom, Simmons. Vincent Simmons. Uh, I'll just pull up, read a little bit of his story for those who uh, didn't see it on our page. Uh... Yeah, 44 years, wrongfully convicted under a Jim Crow jury with 11 whites and one black, and they only needed to choose to to use the 11 whites, even if it was 10. They could have used that because it was 10 right. and 2, which was unconstitutional and has been overturned just in 2021 both in Louisiana and in Oregon, where they were both using these Jim Crow juries, which were completely unconstitutional. And yet those people are still sitting in frickin' prison, regardless of whether it was unconstitutional or not. Uh, You got the story? Right. Yes. So a Louisiana judge just ruled Vincent Simmons did not get a fair trial when he was convicted of attempted aggravated rape in 1977. The judge ordered it. New trial, the district attorney just said he will not retry Simmons. So after spending 44 years of convicted of uh, raping white twin sisters who, when asked to identify him, said all niggers look alike. Now, this was within his discovery. This was never provided to his attorney. There were also so much other information that was not provided. For 44 years, Vincent was subjected to the torturous, inhumane conditions, being forced to work the numerous plantations at Angola Prison, and all the other atrocities that occur there. You just mentioned about the 10-2 jury, but the thing that really gets me the most, Max, is no one's going to be prosecuted for withholding that evidence. You know, they interviewed the women. The women, uh, they're saying that, you know, they they had to live with the a secret for so many years, you know, it was sort of like uh, they knew that the wrong person was convicted, but they just kept silent about it. They were told to be quiet about it, and they got 44 years out of this man, stole this man's life. The crime was committed against this man. Grand larceny was committed against this man, and no one's ever going to be punished for that. These two women are not going to be punished for it. Collectively, those are crimes against humanity because it's not just this isolated incident. This is over and over and over again with thousands, if not millions, who have been affected by instances along these lines. Uh, 
for instance, when the alleged witnesses said all niggas look alike, I'm assuming that both the, the police, the courts, the prosecutors, and the prisons all agreed with them and just wouldn't pick one. Since they all mm-hmm. look alike, that's apparently what they did. So let's just grab this one. And that's how they did it in convict leasing. They criminalized your lives, and then they went and got one whenever they needed it. Whatever you were doing, they just snatched you right up. And how can you protect against that? What's the magic formula to keep your family safe from this happening to them? There is none. Right. If it can one happen dies, to me, get another. it can happen to you. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going pretty quick, man, and I'm really enjoying listening to Professor Manisha Sinha. I'm hoping that uh, she does join us here in March so we can talk about uh, some things. Because <laughs> uh, she's yeah, I'm, a, I'm taking right notes, and I'll, I'll have all my questions to ask her. Once again, if mm-hmm. uh, you happen to be listening online, you can call in at 515-605-9814. Uh, press the number one so you get into the call queue. We'd love to hear from the listeners. Get some feedback on their take on what they're hearing from uh, Professor Sinha. Don't be scared now. If you got something you want to say, uh, call in and say it, or press one on your keypad if you've already called in. Uh, we we promise not to bite too hard, unless you come with some BS, <laughs> and we're just going to chew you up. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's go ahead and get into part three. Professor Manisha Sinha, did abolitionists cause the Civil War? Part three. Followed by a tribute to a slave by Nat Turner Rebellion. And there's a story behind that. We'll tell you about it on the other side. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Make sure you go and check out the website and go to our YouTube page as well, youtube.com slash abolitiontoday, where you'll find playlists of all the stuff that we talk about, all the history, all that. It's all there. Go check it out. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. A runaway slave instigated a historic anti-slavery ruling, and it is only fitting that his name graces this significant Anglo-American judicial decision. Growing numbers of freedom suits during the American Revolution, particularly the cases of Quark Walker and Mumbet or Elizabeth Freeman, led to the judicial abolition of slavery in Massachusetts in 1783. And you can see Mumbet here, or as she named herself, Elizabeth Freeman. Uh, My students are always amazed when I tell them that abolition in Massachusetts took place because of the initiative of the slaves. Uh, And in fact, it is true. And the tradition of freedom suits, of course, uh, invoking the freedom principle of Somerset, continued right up to the famous Dred Scott decision of 1857. We all know the decision. We often forget that Dred Scott and his wife Harriet Scott were behind that case. It is important to note that African Americans' freedom claims inaugurated the first emancipation in the Western world, abolition in the northern states of the American Republic. And now most of the states, of course, abolished slavery through gradual emancipation laws. Blacks in Massachusetts petitioning for their freedom formed themselves into, quote, an anti-slavery committee in 1773, two years before uh, the formation of the first abolitionist organization in this country. 
Another group, the Sons of Africa, modeled most likely after the Sons of Liberty, was the organizational moniker that they and Afro-British abolitionists and former slaves, such as Ulauda Equiano, pictured here, and Utoba Kogano, adopted for their anti-slave trade petitions in the 1780s and 1790s. Now, Equiano, of course, was the author of one of the first slave narratives ever published in the 18th century. Black abolitionists and writers went beyond a simple appeal to American republicanism, seeking to be included in its revolutionary promise. They generated a powerful abolitionist critique of the slaveholding republic. As the young enslaved poet Phyllis Wheatley, pictured here in uh, the woodcut, um, of uh, her that graced uh, the poems that she published in 1773. It was the frontispiece uh, of her book of poems. So as the young enslaved poet Phyllis Wheatley wrote in a letter widely published in New England newspapers, quote, by the leave of our modern Egyptians, I will assert the same principle, love of freedom, lives in us. How well the cry for liberty and reverse disposition for the exercise of oppressive power over others agree, I humbly think it does not require the penetration of a philosopher to determine." Unquote. One wonders whether Jefferson was particularly stung by this illusion. He, of course, subjected her poetry to by a young enslaved girl in Massachusetts to rather heavy-handed criticism. The enslaved's fight, fight for freedom gave Anglo-American abolition its first organizational expression.
Abolition. So you just heard part three of Professor Manisha Sinha's Did Abolitionists Cause the Civil War? And that was followed by Tribute to a Slave by the Nat Turner Rebellion. So, Max, uh, I'll pass to you first because I know you said there's a story behind the Nat Turner Rebellion. I'm interested to hear that before I get into uh, some of uh, – we get into the commentary on part three. Um, actually, go ahead, because i got to find the information. I want to read the quotes that they wrote from the article. Apparently, this was a long song in the 60s. It wasn't found until 2012, and then it was finally released just recently, last year. Uh, so I'll tell you about that as soon as I find it. So go ahead and make your Oh, comments. wow. Just released last year. I didn't realize that. Yeah. You know, they uh, – the thing that really stuck out about me, so she broke down the story of uh, Elizabeth Freeman, who was also known as Mumbet, and I'm actually going to uh, post some information about her. You know, Jerry and Great Barrington found in favor of Mumbet, a black woman who had been a slave in the home of, or whoop, they say slave, we say enslaved. She was enslaved in the home of Colonel John Ashley for at least 30 years. She was listening to her master's friends uh, discuss the newly ratified Massachusetts Constitution, and she concluded that if all people were born free and equal, so was she. She found a young lawyer to represent her, and he persuaded a Berkshire County jury to declare her free. Two years later, in a case involving Quilk Walker, who was enslaved in Worcester, Worcester, I think they pronounced it Worcester County, the chief justice of the state's highest court declared that slavery is inconsistent with our own conduct and constitution. Massachusetts had been the first colony to legalize slavery. Now the legal system helped to end the institution in the state. So that was a, a big deal in that situation because this is pre-Dred Scott, you know, this was the pre pre Dred Scott decision, where Dred Scott and I don't want to get too far in that, but he sued for his freedom in St. Louis. He said he had lived in both a free territory and a free state. However, in 1852, the Missouri Supreme Court denied Dred Scott his freedom. The court was made up of different judges. That in earlier years, and arguments over slavery were more intense. This led them to overturn the once free, always free precedent. They did not believe that living in a free territory in a free state made Dred Scott a free man. And with this pro-slavery decision, the golden age of freedom suits was over. Very few slaves were successful in winning their freedom after 1852. So that was the significance of the Dred Scott uh, decision in relation to the freedom suits that came before it, Max. Right, it's just sideline everything. Um, but a lot of people got theirs before that happened. Uh, yeah, oh, let me go to the song first, and then I'll, I'll make my comments about uh, the professor as well as what we heard tonight. Nat Turner Rebellion, that's the name of the group that you heard. They're a Philadelphia soul music group, and they released their album uh, back in 1969. Uh, I believe that it was Major Harris, Ron Harper, and Bill Spratley. They were pioneers of the Philly soul and protest music movements. Their debut track, Tribute to a Slave, 
NDR ch- uh, channeled the revolutionary spirit of the infamous 1831 uprising, after which the group derived their name. Starting in 1969, NTR wrote and recorded dozens of tracks with only a handful of singles released. Uh, they had some tensions going on with the record labels back then, and Stan Watson, who was the head of group records, he sidelined the, sidelined the project, and the tapes went unheard for decades. And then in 2012, Reservoir Media acquired Philly Groove Records. They discovered the tapes in Sigma Sound Studios archive. And Jefferson, who was the only surviving NTR member, gave his blessing for the 14-track collection called Laugh to Keep from Crying, which made its only U.S. debut debut last year with a limited vinyl-only run via Vinyl Me Please. The themes they wrote about are still as relevant today as they were in 1969, and Crystalis Records are now proud to partner with Reservoir Media to do a full worldwide release of the album with a bonus track, new artwork, and new sleeves. And the album will be released in vinyl. The CD has been newly mastered by Alchemy in London, and the package is a four-panel digifile with eight-page booklet. Yeah, that's a heck of a story behind that song. For sure. 1969, you know? Right. That. And it was banging. Uh, we love it right here at Abolition Today. It's going to be in our music list, so yeah. for sure, for sure. I heard that they meet your Harrison there and you know, those that know the classics, that's when a man loves a woman. That classic right. song. When a man you know. loves a woman. I think I might have made baby or two on that. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, man. My mama's listening. <laughs> <laughs> she might have made a baby or two on that, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if they say 1969, I was born uh, in 69. So. <laughs> see? See? Um, I want to... First of all, give a big thank you to uh, the professor, uh, Manisha Sinha. Uh, appreciate uh, her words, and I'm glad that we had the opportunity to share just about 10 minutes worth here with you today so you can see that these narratives have always been out there, and we need people like her and us to counter these lies about exactly who did what and when. Um, if it wasn't for the black abolitionists, there wouldn't have been an abolitionist movement at all. Because uh, they would have never started on their own, for sure. Uh, so hopefully we'll see her here again um, in a couple weeks. And I want to give a shout-out to Albert Woodfox. His birthday was yesterday. Uh, you can celebrate with him by picking up his book, Solitary. Uh, it's available on it's, it's available on Amazon. I know, right? You like my, my answer? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got to be somebody who just has no clue that I do a freaking show every Sunday. Like, you, you can't know me that well if you're calling me right now. <laughs> right, so, right. You know what I mean? So, shout out to uh, Albert Woodfox. Happy birthday, brother. He spent 44 years in solitary confinement. And this is a Pulitzer Prize book called Solitary. So, go to uh, Amazon.com, look up Albert Woodfox, Solitary, and help him celebrate his birthday after all those years as a political prisoner in a little bitty box. Um, let's make his day for his birthday. All right, so Absolutely. I just we'll have our link up on the page. Right. We'll have the link to his book up on the page. We also have the link for uh Professor Minha's The Slave Cause, a history of abolition. We'll have her her lecture in its entirety because it's about fifty six minutes. 
the, lec- the entire lecture, so you definitely want to listen to that. Uh, I see she's also the author of The Counter-Revolution of Slavery, Politics and Ideology, Ideology, I, I, ideology <laughs> in Amer- Antebellum, South Carolina. Uh-oh, might have to get my eyes checked. <laughs> and I'll post the link for that book as well. We, you know, we want to support people out here that are putting the truth out there, you know, instead of all of these other nonsense novels that are out there. Let's let's get some real truth out there, the things that is going to really make a difference. So definitely want to check out our page. You'll see those links there. Um, she said that abolition took place in Massachusetts because of the initiative of the enslaved. Free yourself. <laughs> and we was trying, but we needed help. And right. because they were willing to help, that's how the abolitionist movement expanded more and more and more. It's a video that we, I was doing some research and I found this video that has a time lapse of the abolitionist movement and how the states went from free uh, enslaved states to free states and how they tried to keep it balanced until the free states became more numerous. Uh, it's a fascinating map to see. Uh, but yeah, definitely we are repeating history these days and doing the same things over and over again. And we're getting our own voices and our own narratives out there. Uh, The people who are most affected by are the ones who are talking. And those are the ones who should be talking. But uh, normally, you know, you hear from somebody else. It's like the rich man telling you what it's like to be poor. Uh, (laughs) You know, Uh, you got the wrong person for the job there. So I'm right. uh, Also, she said that the first, Oh, you mentioned that the first freedom claims was way back in 1773, uh, as you said before, Massachusetts um, made slavery legal. Uh, so they were the predecessors of everything that's going on right now. All the rights we enjoy in this country basically became came into being because of uh, the diaspora, because of the efforts of uh, African descendants, enslaved African descendants fighting for their freedom. Uh, we see that happening right now. It's like they don't make a move unless a police station is burning down, and suddenly everybody cares. You know what I mean? And then right. instead of actually doing something, it's all just uh, bark and no bite. So they'll say, we're going to make changes. They'll promise it uh, left and right. They'll run on and on campaigns, and when you elect them into office, they go back to, well, I think we should give the police more money. Um, not take money away. We need to give more money. We need more police because y'all Negroes is crazy. You killing people, and it's not us doing it. It's them doing it. Right. So, um, she also mentioned abolitionists and writers, and that uh, brings me to something else that I want to mention. Uh, Frederick Douglass himself knew that his talents lied in his mind, his pen, and his voice. Uh, so for my writers out there spoken word poets, uh, you are following in the footsteps of the ancestors. Uh, Take those talents and put them to use in getting freedom for your people because you can do it. It's what he was doing. It's what so many others were doing at that time. All they had was their voice, their experience, and their ability to tell their story, and they told that. And I want to give all of our listeners here an opportunity to make history during Black History Month. We have a website that we use. It's called Black Abolitionist Archives. It's from the University of Delaware, and in it, they have hundreds of abolitionist speech by black abolitionists that have never been heard before, never been heard before, never been read out loud uh, since the day that 
they were spoken by the author uh, or the day they were published was the last time someone seen them in the 1800s to 1700s. We want you to go to that archive, and we're going to provide the link. It's already on our page at Abolition Today on Facebook, where you can go browse through those different speeches, and if you see anyone you like, record it for us. If you're interested, I'd like to see some folks with oratory and vocal delivery skills take one of those speeches, anyone that you like, and record them spoken aloud. It doesn't have to be on video. As you know, audio is preferred because we're a radio program. The goal is to honor their sacrifice, bring the words back to life, possibly for the first time ever since they spoke them, and share the wisdom right. of our abolitionist ancestors. And if you want to make a recording like that, send it to us at abolitionistcenter at gmail.com. That's abolitionistcenter at gmail.com. And use the subject heading Black Abolitionist Archives. Remember to include all the identifying information in the email and to state your name, city, state, as well as the title and author of the speech in the recording. If the quality is good, we'll air them over the coming months on our program here today, and they will become a permanent part of our historical archives. And I've got it on good uh, information that our archives are going to be added to a larger museum uh, of black history that is being developed right now. So make sure you make history this month, Black History Month, by reading one of these speeches aloud and sending it to us. My last thing, man, uh, she said mm-hmm. about Phyllis Wheatley and the poem that she wrote. And old Jefferson had the nerve to call it heavy-handed criticism. The rapist, pedophile slaver is calling the enslaved, formerly enslaved a poet, young girl, heavy-handed when she's talking about slavery. She was not even heavy-handed. You and me might be heavy-handed. She was gentle right. with it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just thought that was part of the course. That's how they roll, yeah. you know what I mean? And and they still do the same thing today. They still do, still the, do same the same thing, thing today. All right. So you know, they want we, you speaking more like uh, certain people out here. I don't know if we want to say names, but, you know, there's this, there's this particular network. I well, where were you getting ready to go, Max? Um, it's on a freestyle moment now. We got plenty of news to hit, so go ahead and share what you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to talk about this uh, Black News Channel, a Black News Network, or whatever they call themselves. Well, you know, I was pissed off about that for a few days. <laughs> I, I like mm-hmm. it, it. It really was a reopened wound. Um, people are like, what are, what are you talking about, Max? You want me to tell the story? To, to, sure. To, Cause all right. <laughs> that way, if you need to curse, you can curse. See, I can't curse. My mama's on the, you know, listening well, I'm, in. I'm, I'm gonna try not to be doing that. I'm gonna try not to be doing that. I don't want, I don't want to get the reputation as the cursing guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna try not to do that. But we've been having a problem with contrasting narratives. See. We don't all agree on what we're dealing with in the United States when it comes to criminal justice or prisons. There's no universal agreement. Everybody's not like, yeah, that's what we're dealing with. That's not how it works. There's actually Mm -hmm. at least four different camps, and uh, and of those four different uh, camps vying for uh, dominance over what we're dealing with, they're separated into two categories. So on one side, you have two two different groups that agree it's a crime against humanity. That's 
prison slavery abolitionists who focus primarily on the forced labor and uh, prison aspects. And then you have slavery abolitionists who uh, don't limit it to prisons. We see how slavery is interconnected in all of our systems, much like critical race theory. So that's one side. And they all agree that this is a crime against humanity allowed by the 13th Amendment called slavery. And it also has genocide elements in it as well. Now, on the other side, you have prison abolitionists and criminal justice reformers. And they don't Mm -hmm. look at this or treat this as a crime against humanity. They very rarely talk about the 13th Amendment or slavery. And that's a problem for me because only only one side is right. The other side is telling telling everybody that the side they are not on is wrong. So there's this competition going on. But they tend to have all the contacts. They tend to have all the resources all the time. And so their narrative gets pushed over and over again. And I was watching Black News Channel. Uh, I'm appreciative that we have a Black News Channel, but uh, Mark Lamont Hills, uh, Mark Lamont Hills pro- uh, program rubs me the wrong way on more than a few occasions. Like, he mm. knows. This brother knows. He's done entire interviews about the 13th Amendment, about convict leasing, about all of this. But mm-hmm. when he comes on this program and invites an abolitionist to join him, the two of them together, calling each other abolitionists, talk about abolition for the next 10 or 15 minutes, but they never mention any of that. What is wrong with you? Like, how, how is that even possible? You can say the word abolition in this country and not mention slavery abolition when you're all, already all aware of it. How many states need to be abolitionists before you say, you know, maybe something's going on there? How many? You know, because we're up to like 30-something now that are involved. Do we need to get all 50 before you give us some love? Um, And I've reached out to to them on a number of occasions. I've asked them to give us some press on what we're doing because it's so epic and amazing and never been done before in the history of these these states. And they've ignored me completely. And then finally, when I made a comment on the video, like, how are you going to talk about abolition? Make up a definition for abolition out of thin air on the spot. (laughs) And not mention mm. any of these issues. They deleted my comment. <laughs> I'm mm. like, okay, see, they know what they're doing now. There's an agenda going on here, and they're trying to silence right. us on purpose. There was a reason they don't want nobody talking about slavery abolition. There's a reason they don't want you to know how many states are involved in this, how many have done it. And that reason, I want to leave up for you to decide what it is. I only have guesses. Um, but I'm going to leave it up to our listener to decide what they think those reasons are. When you willfully ignore something on purpose because you have an agenda, what is that? Yusuf? What is that? Because that sounds like you can't even really call it cognitive dissonance because they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. So we're only a few years away from Ava DuVernay's 13th. Is that already out of your head? <laughs> like, and, right. And I gone? mean, we we've played clips of Mark Lamont Hill on the program speaking on the 13th Amendment and slavery abolition. We have receipts, as they would say. We have receipts. So he That's can't right. say he didn't know. We have receipts of him speaking yeah. on it. And the woman that was on there with him, uh, what was her name, Amara something? Um, I'll, I'll find it, pull it up. 
I, I can't think of a Dr. Amara Enya. You know, I, I she runs a it. whole litany of degrees yeah. and all these different things, uh, strategists, social innovation, social impact professional, public policy expert, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on about all the different languages that she speaks and all the degrees that she has. And nowhere does she mention that she's an abolitionist, let alone a slavery abolitionist. Yeah, not on a website, so that's, that's for sure. It's not yeah. part of her, her. It's not part of her attention, apparently. You know, um, but right, to so come on a national the television question, and say it, like, yeah. And and this is why we love Dr. Joy James, our rebel intellectual, because these are the type of people that she speaks against when she talks about, you know, people being in these universities, having these degrees, trying to speak on things that they're not qualified to speak on, and they should have the people who are involved, like the grassroots organizations and the the activists on the ground speaking on it. And this is Sharon the same thing. Sharon said it's diabolically that, evil. When yeah, we said, what is exactly. that? She said it's diabolically, diabolically evil. Diabolically yeah, evil. I like that, soul. Sharon. Yeah, and this is what Professor Sinha was talking about when they were mm-hmm. having the movements back then. It's like, why not involve the people who are directly affected by it? And it goes the same here. Instead of having Mark Lamont Hill and Amara uh, Inya speaking on it, they should have People like you and I, not necessarily you and I, but you and I, any abolitionist, abolitionist, where they're going to get up there and they're going to talk about the 13th Amendment. They're going to break down, you know, how it progressed ever since December 6th, 1865, how it's carried out all the way up until February 20th, 2022. You know, the bottom line is, is, as I said, that dividing line. Crime against humanity, something we can fix. It can't be both. Mm-hmm. You can't fix a crime against humanity. You can't eliminate components and make it better. That's not how it works. Right. And if you're going right. to pick crime against humanity, you need to talk like it and act like it. Like this is a literal crime happening right now. And you don't forget it when you get into political circles where you might offend their sensibilities. To hell with their sensibilities. Speak the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> you know? That's it. But when you're eliminating that, you're omitting it from the conversation on purpose. That tells me you have an agenda, and that agenda is trying to silence voices like mine. You're not trying to put us on air. You're not uh, putting us in your print. All you want to hear from is your Harvard people who are coming in talking about prison abolition. But they don't put prison in front of the word. They just say, we're abolitionists. And then they say they're like Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Exactly how? <laughs> like I'm trying to figure that out because I'm a slavery abolitionist in the lines of Frederick Douglass. Their descendants have been on our show saying, yeah, these are the people. These are the people that are following our ancestors' footprints. But you're claiming their names, likenesses, and quotes like you're doing it. Like, right. Frederick Douglass was not a plantation abolitionist. Neither was Harriet Tubman. And if you got rid of the plantations, you would still have slavery. You know, I feel like going back to when I was younger and say, you better recognize. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I just, 
Yeah, it just exactly. rubs me the wrong way when I see people do that on purpose. And they're not the only ones. There's many others. Everybody who was in the 13th film and is out here talking about prison reform needs to be powder slapped. Every one of them. Yeah, <laughs> every know? last how one of be, them. How are you going to be in the 13th film talking about how this is slavery and here's how it's allowed, and then when you get into these circles, suddenly it's, we need to do prison reform. We need to reform the system. Uh, the system is broken. And if we give these bunny slippers to prisoners, everybody's going to be happy. That's not how it works, bro. <laughs> so that was my rant for that. Uh, Black News Channel, you better check your man. And I'm expecting to hear some kind of reply to our request for press at some point. <laughs> I'm sorry. My mom just texted me because she's been cracking up and that powder slap really got her. <laughs> also the cursing yeah. guy. She laughed about that one too. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting messages about it right now. Yeah, <laughs> listen. <laughs> You're just keeping it real, man. And I mean, those, you know, for the people that are actively involved in this movement, that's how could you not feel that way? You know, this is this is a diss track. Like watching them talk is like you someone's sending out a diss track, and we got to respond, man. We got to come feel back. Like Cinderella. <laughs> like you know, I got these wicked stepsisters that don't want me to go to the ball. I'm the one with the glass slipper. Why can't I go to the ball? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. What is up with right. that? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And, and and the defining line is that we're challenging the narrative. We are creating our own narrative with the truth. We're building our narrative on a foundation of truth, unshakable, uh, with nothing but facts to back it up and receipts in every corner you could think about. I don't know what y'all are doing. But we have shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is indeed literal slavery allowed through our Constitution and 25 state constitutions in practice. What else do you need to see to to get that proof? And if you can see that and not speak of it in terms of a crime against humanity, then who's got a problem? Because it ain't us. We see clearly. Right. And then I'm looking at all of this other news that we have. And, I mean, just everything, you know, as I refer to as the Slave Catcher Chronicles. I mean, pick one, Max. I mean, we have just so many. I mean, well, obviously, people will want to talk about Kim Potter. Yeah, the, go ahead. Yeah, so Kim Potter the former suburban Minneapolis police officer who said she confused her handgun for her taser when she fatally shot Dante Wright was sentenced Friday to two years in prison. Wright's family denounced the sentence as too lenient and accused the judge of giving more consideration to the white officer than the black victim. Potter was convicted in December of first and second degree manslaughter in the April 11th killing of Wright, a 20-year-old black motorist, she was sentenced only in the more serious charge in accordance with state law. Wright's mother, Katie Wright, said after the sentencing that Potter murdered my son, adding, today the justice system murdered him all over again. She also accused the judge of being taken in by white woman tears after Potter cried during her pre-sentencing statement. 
And, you know, as soon as I heard that news, you know, well, when the case first broke about the I confused my taser with my gun, I immediately thought of Oscar Grant, who was murdered by uh, Johan uh, Mercerly out in New Oakland. Years. It was a, a white former San Francisco Bay Area Transit officer, murdered him on New Year's Day. You know, they were, the cops were responding to a disturbance on the train, and within seconds of having him on the ground, Oscar Grant was actually on the ground, and the officer shoots him and kills him. And again, the officer was sentenced to two years, and he spent only 11 months in jail. And we can, we can run this down, down the line, you know, where if, if they're not lenient sentences, there are no sentences at all, there are no prosecutions at all. Just going back to what we were speaking about er- earlier, why wouldn't a person run? Why wouldn't you know, because, yeah, why wouldn't you run? I mean, you, you stand a better chance of survival. Because every time we turn around... Yeah, every time we turn around, someone's getting murdered. They're receiving a death sentence for some of the most mundane things, you know, expired tags, busted tail light, uh, talking too much, music too loud. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's still black codes. Yeah, it's still black codes. Your music is on too loud. You rate a With death sentence. The casual killing act. Yeah, it it just keeps going. The numbers keep going every year. You know, more and more people murdered by police officers. And more often than not, they're not charged or there's a slap on the wrist, Max. If they get a slap, uh, look what happened with Tamir Rice's killer. Like, it's a little boy in a school park playing with a toy gun waiting for his sister to come out of school. And within two right. seconds of pulling up on this child, wasn't even in his teens yet, he was dead. Within two seconds, with a toy gun. If you can't tell the difference between a toy gun and a real gun in a child's hand, in broad daylight, in a place where you expect to see exactly this occurring, you shouldn't have right. a gun. You shouldn't be on the force. You're a damn coward, uh, afraid of your own shadow. And we see people scared to death in a badge, murdering us left and right. Because, you know, blackness is a weapon, uh, apparently. So if you are black, you are already armed and dangerous. That's all it takes. And that's how they look at us. Um, so, And then they give, us these light, give them these light sentences. So she's getting out in two years. The first thing I thought of was Annie Dukin out of Massachusetts, who... Uh, because of her, uh, as many as 60,000 cases have been tainted. She was uh, falsifying drug and alcohol um, uh, tests in order to get kickbacks from the DOC or from the, the prison industry. So mm-hmm. she did that to 21,000 people's convictions they had to throw out, just 21,000. They didn't do the rest mm. because they said they didn't have the manpower. So, you know, nearly 40,000 people are just left hanging there because they don't have the manpower for your freedom. So you can spend the rest of your life in prison on your third strike for drug conviction when you never had any drugs to begin with. And this woman lied about it. After being found out and going to court, she spent less than two years in jail. She's out walking around free right now. And there's nearly 40,000 people that are never going to see that freedom. 
it just it just it angers me, Max. It well, really the does. Anger's only gonna get worse with the other story that we had today. Um, where they had that cop and his wife who was a teacher. Mm. Um yeah. who were oh, my pedophiles and uh they, they were monsters. These these were freaking yeah. monsters. So out in Louisiana too nice of a word. Yeah, it's too nice of a word. So out in Louisiana, um, there's a school teacher that fed her um, junior high class. These are like 12-year-olds, 11 years old. Fed the, the junior high class cupcakes laced with the sperm of her husband. This is a teacher that did this, right? Cynthia Perkins. And her husband, from what we've been reading, is up for multiple charges, including second-degree rape producing child pornography and conspire conspiracy mingling of harmful sentences. The sperm thing he did, they only gave her a year for that, but they're looking to give them 40 years for what they've done with these children beyond the school. It is just monsters that, that did this. Uh, they're facing as many as 150 charges um, right now. And this guy, is a he was a cop until he got caught. And she was a teacher until she got caught. And apparently she's right. turning around and blaming him. It's all his fault. He forced me to do it. But I, he wasn't there at the school when you gave them kids some cupcakes. And, That's and right. I was and he wasn't parents, just, man, I'd be ready to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't just any old cop. I mean, he was a right. He was a sheriff's lieutenant. He was a, a, a SWAT commander, SWAT team a SWAT commander. commander. So he's out here kicking in people's doors, you know, executing warrants. And meanwhile, his wife is passing out his sperm in class. Man, and here's the thing they didn't mention in this report, in any report that I've seen. And it's something that somebody really should write a bill about. If you're in politics or if you know how to write a bill, please write a bill about this. Is that any time a police officer is found guilty of a felony, their entire record needs to be checked because there are people who have very likely been subject to their crimes that are in prisons or dead um, who need freedom and need help because of what they did. You just can't leave them hanging. And this guy and this girl, this, this, this couple, the Monster Mash, did not start their escapades the day you caught them. You have to realize this is who they are. And you got to find out if there's anybody that they've already committed crimes against who need their freedom right now, need to be rescued right now. So there should be a bill that that should be automatic. You immediately check their records. Don't give us the we don't have enough manpower stuff because this is the richest country in the whole damn, uh, damn world, right? We got plenty of money floating right. around. We got money to go and start a war with Russia. We got money to uh, rob Afghanistan. We got $7 billion from the Afghanistan people. Why can't you use mm-hmm. that? I'm just saying. There was nowhere in the story or any story of that kind where they talk about how we're going to investigate their record. They don't give a damn what they did to somebody else. The only thing that matters is what they caught them with, and that is not how it should be done. Yusuf? <sighs> And and Max, you know, another story, this one really hurts. And it's the story of Tanisha Chapel. And they've released the audio of her. She she was she begged jail staffers for medical aid 
you know, for hours, for nearly 16 hours, she was begging for medical attention. And it says in recordings provided by Chapel's family attorney, Sam Aguiar, uh, staff at the Jackson County, Indiana jail can be heard growing irritated by Chapel's pleas for help. She reportedly told staff that she was throwing up blood and felt extremely sick to no avail. And it says, I don't know what you want me to do unless you're coughing up something crazy, one staffer told Chapel. You can hear the decline, Aguiar said, of Chapel's ailing health in the recordings. And I'm thinking, if you're coughing up something crazy, the woman just told you she's coughing up blood. And the audio confirms that Chapel let officers know she was throwing up blood at least 12 hours before an ambulance was called. And this is uh, reported by Weave 3. Video also shows that Chapel was lying on her cell floor for hours, unclothed, and crying for help. Shortly before being taken to Schneck Medical Center, Chapel went into cardiac arrest and died. Doctors noted the possibility. Yeah, 23 years old. Doctors noted the possibility of Chapel being poisoned and recommended she be checked for ethylene glycol and an ingredient found in common cleaners. While an autopsy found toxicity in her system, no determination was made to the exact substance. Chapel's official cause of death was listed as undetermined. Prosecutor Jeffrey Chalfont says there was no evidence supporting that Chapel was purposely poisoned. In December, prosecutors declined to file any charges related to Chapel's death. Surprise, surprise. Chapel's family has since filed a federal lawsuit against Jackson County Sheriff Rick Meyer, Jail Commander Chris Everett, Everhart, and several and seven other jail employees. Un- unbelievable. We see unbelievable. ourselves in these victims. Every time it happens, we see ourselves in that. And the trauma is daily and compounded and is pushing us over the edge. Do you not understand? We don't see this as it's not like what Obama said, that could have been my son. We are like, that is my daughter. That is my son. <laughs> you know? That's how we're looking at it. That's me. At any moment, it could be me. There's nothing stopping them from doing the same exact thing to me. It's just a matter of the wrong place, the wrong time. Unless you're on their side, then it's the right place at the right time. Because they look at right. kill Negroes. And if you want proof of that, all you have to do is read the testimony that came out with the Ahmad Aubrey. Uh, civil suit, civil trial that just went out, where they finally went through their racism, what they've been writing on social media, what they've been texting to each other, uh, calling black people subhuman savages, talking about how they wish somebody would have blew that Negro's heads off, but they used the hard R type word. Um, and even Brian, when his daughter started dating a black man, and she was like, you know, that's the last thing, and now you know he, he disavowed her and talked about how she's got a new N word now. Um, mm. They were pretty nasty I mean really nasty in their racism So I'm not surprised That the uh, prosecutors arrested their case In this issue They've said enough And that's how many millions are Thinking like that Just what he thought If you just count the number of voters That voted for Trump A man like Trump Who himself mm-hmm. would say things like this uh, You could say Well that's at least 80 million people That are thinking like that Yes it is and that's what we have to deal with as black people every damn day. 
never knowing where the next gunshot's going to come off and somebody's going to kill you because you uh, smiled at them. Isn't that how they got one man? Because he smiled at him or he looked at him funny yeah. and they pulled him over, <laughs> you know? There's nothing That's- you can do right. I mean, we heard what Savannah told us last week, where she just didn't have her air conditioning on, and that got her pulled over. She had her windows down, and the cop felt as though that that was suspicious, that she was driving with her windows down. And he decided to pull her over. Mm -hmm. Well, we're coming up on the end of the program, man. Yeah, I just have one more that I want to put in, and this is out of Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola police injured a one-year-old baby after executing a 5 a.m. search warrant at the home of a man who was not a criminal suspect. Mm-mm. The one-year-old baby was poorly injured while in police custody following a SWAT team raid. Uh, we just did an article about a SWAT team commander, right, passing out his right. sperm. The child's father is charged with attempted murder after opening fire on one of the officers who ran this door. The man's friends and family say he believed the officer was an intruder. So here, in a stand-your-ground state, your door is getting kicked in at 1 a.m. You're supposed to be able to stand your ground and defend your castle because you don't know police are kicking in your door because you're not even a a suspect. You're a law-abiding citizen, and they're kicking in your door. So now they want to charge him. Here, his baby was shot, but they're charging him for attempted murder. He, the cops snatched up their child, one-year-old baby, put it in the police car, closed it in there. <clears throat> and then later, they went to open the door where the baby was at, and he was leaning up on the door and fell right on his face on the curb. Busted his whole mm. face up. Uh, yeah, well, that's pretty Yeah, thank, thank, thank you for correcting me on that one. Yeah. The, child, it, it was, the child's father is being charged with attempted murder after opening fire mm. on one of the officers who rammed his door in. That's what we got to deal with every day. All right. So um, today's uh, Bridging the Gap is going to be a little different. I'm just going to introduce it before we do our final shout-outs and stuff. So you know what you got coming up. We got a gem for you. After all of this downtime, (laughs) you know, the stuff that pisses you off, we need something to give you that energy back, right? And I've got just the thing. Normally, we play the words of our ancestors, and we're going to do that tonight. Just not the ancestors of the aboli- uh, the ancestors of today abolitionists. We're gonna play their ancestors' words, so you can see and hear in for yourself what the description of drapetomania is, which is runaway slave syndrome that we all have right now. <laughs> we all got it, and they called us crazy. They literally said it was a medical condition to want freedom from slavery. But I've got a wonderful group by the name of runaway slave that put together this presentation and I, I think you're going to really enjoy it after I heard it I went and got their whole album which is also awesome uh, and you might want to do the same thing it's runaway slave Domania. with that being said I want to thank you for listening tonight uh, you could have been anywhere but you're here with, here with us learning and being inspired and moving forward and we appreciate that and Yusuf uh, happy uh chaos theory anniversary with that initial uh, conditions yes. you know where it all began yes. uh 2020 on this day uh thank you brother thank you i'm glad you put that out there and i'm glad you know i ran across it and i i took i took up the banner and here we are 
two years later, when we started on March 15th of 2020. Yeah, the, that, uh, the idea started on February 20th. And here we are, all this time later, still on air. Still so Our going. first show was the it's day that broke. Breonna Taylor was killed. That was our first show. Right. Right. Another house read. You know? So, we want to thank our sponsors and our partners, Jailhouse Hey, Lawyers one more thing Speed. i got to say real quick. I was just reminded sure. to say happy birthday to Sharon Smith, our team member from... Uh, oh. Here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. Yeah, happy birthday, Sharon. So we want to thank our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IMWE Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, SEMA Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash abolition today for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Uh, abolition today is also available on all major podcast platforms. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us to become part of the solution. You can also text as one word, no spaces, end the exception to 52886 and follow the prompts. This will send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed 28th Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause of the 13th Amendment. Uh, as Max said, we're going to get into our Bridging the Gap, Draper to Mania by Runaway Slave. We'll be back, God willing, next week, Sunday, February 27th. I believe our guest will be Gianna Kenny. Is that correct, yep. Max? Exactly. We'll have Gianna, Gianna Kenny, president of Epic, Ohio, where we'll get updates on the slavery abolitionist movement in Ohio, and we'll, you know, we'll also break down how slavery is practiced in Ohio. We'll have, of course, plenty of slave week. catcher chronicles. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. hear you, bro. It, it'll be the day after the ASNN quarterly so we're going to have a lot to talk about oh yeah we'll have a lot that. of stuff talking so about yeah that's going to be a great RSVP, episode make sure you RSVP you want to see this historic event absolutely so that link will also be on our page abolition today you can also find it on our twitter pages that is max is at max parthas mine is at abolition today the number one you find the links is pinned to the top of our pages. Make sure you go ahead and RSVP to that event because it's going to be monumentous. Every quarter we have a great, great event, so you definitely don't want to be uh, missing out on that. And with that, until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Peace to those who want to see. Hold on. Drapetomania. This is going to be a rough ride. Put on your thinking cap. Drapetomania, or the disease causing Negroes to run away. The term derives from the Greek repeat, a runaway slave, plus mania, madness, frenzy. It is unknown to our medical authorities, although its diagnostic symptom, the absconding from service, is well known to our planters and overseers. And part of the
the edifice of scientific racism, according to my experience, is as much a disease of the mind as any other species of mental alienation. Is a disease peculiar to Negroes. They are very easily governed more so than any other people in the world. To prevent and cure them from running away, humanity and their own good require that they should be punished until they fall into that submissive state which it was intended for them to occupy. They have only to be kept in that state and treated like children. A runaway slave, free Negroes, or those who are not governed at all are the most afflicted and the latest from the slave. The disease is the natural offspring of Negro liberty. A runaway slave, they slight their work, cut up cake. They raise disturbances with their overseers and fellow servants and seem to be insensible to pain when subjected to punishment. It's my disease, I gotta flee from captivity Trolling all the others who want to sleep to come and follow me Standing on the mountain by the throne It's where we ought to be Naked underground, run away with the family Fighting for our freedom, all we got One's liberty Shouted up to God, asking him to deliver me Running through the south from the west of Pennsylvania I ain't even mad if I ain't in here This is Transylvania Chicken and a Cadillac I need all mine You can hold the mule Too damn late To go saddle back But hell no All I get is a sidewalk Full of candle wax Hello Remember me I'm Trayvon I'm Michael Brown By any means I'm Malcolm X I'm strapped up Bro, try me now Didn't like me then You don't like me now You was lying then And you lying now There's no way That I'ma lie down I was fighting then And I'm fighting now I'm fired up You get fired on Cause I'm on fire To fire round You just learned You can get burned What happened bro You quiet now I guess we have to show these fuckers ain't no taming us. You no longer need a noose to hang with us. This is Transylvania. Get the right shot, get it in the back. Gotta get free for the five bit. Get 
for dignity. Trust how they betrayed us, they have betrayed us, but now will it be? Fight for survival, fight for survival, fight for freedom! Cavalania. First of all, we was brought here to serve, so get us out your feelings. It's hot in these fields and massa out here killing. I'm done today, rather run away with the gun and wait. Anyone step in my way, I'm putting gun in face. We better run in haste. They just put Trump in place. If you ain't part of that other upper race, nothing's safe. You'd rather run in place. I'ma kneel down in here. Can't be your house nor a field, nigga. I'm out of here. Hello? Newsflash, who's that? I'm Malcolm X, I'm Huey P, and I'm Fred Hampton. So step aside or I'm cracking X. They rockin' best, but I'm headshot and I'm quick scoping. I'm dead rockin' your head nodding from beats bustin'. Lyric dumping and guns poppin'. I can't stop for no water break. They hard to shake and my feet hurtin'. Them houses barking, them torches lit. So I'm forced to dip and keep swerving. I'm armin' up, cause you armin' up. Can't wait to bust and then blamin' us. So if I'm shooting back, don't call me crazy, cause this is Land of the free, free, home of the brave, like land of the thieves, home of the slaves. History knows, history shows. I was a king, your home was a cave. I've been ready to chunk up the deuce. I took the blindfold off, I see the truth. Can't turn the other cheek if they don't want a truth. Up the Rickomania juice and broke loose. I can't believe what I'm seeing with both eyes. Full sprint, not one time, I broke stride. I'm running from my life, boss, fuck your gun line. Got God with me, you can't hit me, I'm gone by. Just look how much time has flown by. At least I know it won't be in vain if I'm gon' die. With every drop of blood in my veins, I'm gon' try. To lift my people out of this thing, we gon' ride. Wait for some freedom to breathe. We need another trick up our sleeve. We got a death with that and get our people in line. We're an invisible chain and their third eye blind. We've been jerked and it's worse, so it's hurting my kind. No, you didn't need no future, so it's worth my time, my dime. Why you waiting for God to show us fine? I'm stacking and I'm packing my ammo, I'm showing mine. The president is banning immigrants, but yet he's married to an immigrant. We all are immigrants, how do we deal with this? He says he wants to build a fence, but that's not making any sense. If they choose to dig it, that's why even build a fence. Stop turning the land that you really don't even own. Cause if it's really land of the freedom, should feel like home. Let us Roam and travel, no more scaring and shaking my people. Now it's on, I ain't asking, I'm taking mine. And now it's on, I ain't asking, I'm taking mine. And now it's on, we ain't asking, we taking off. And now it's on, we ain't asking, we taking off. Cause if we ask for freedom, we will never be free. Nope. Negro discontent. Yes. Black people in this country are conflicted, dissatisfied, disillusioned, disenchanted. Coin tell pro kill all of our leaders. Now the only ones that's left play to impeders. Grandma still in church waiting on Jesus. You think after all of the prayers he didn't seen us. The wolf just as cheap post the bleeder. In order to cast turn the tides and pass the beamers. A fellowship of followers, not one of them. Benefiting from the Sunday who can holler us. I'm amazed that this shit don't really bother us. The problem multiplier more we become tolerant. Our recessive gene become dominant. Whatever the case be, there's too much time and money spent. On these leeches in our neighborhood. No more speeches through your speakers in our neighborhood. Until we form an allegiance to bring a steam back to our neighborhood. If you ain't about the liberation, get the fuck out the hood. They got a jackal in life with a tan cup. Ankles bound and wrist cuffed. Either you can bow down or stand up. There's no justice, it's just us. 
How long we gon' let them pimp us? They take the whole cake and give us the crumbs? Either take a knee or put your fist up. There's no justice, it's just us. And what's what is that there's no trust. So when we disagree, we just bust in disgust. I miss us, pledge of allegiance against those that diss us. And whip us, beat, shoot, and lynch us. We need to get new steel toes and kick butt. There's distrust, so there's issues to discuss. But fist up, and we'll shift through like wind gusts. Defend us, and we'll win gusts like men must. Preserve our lineage, groom school, extend us. They fear us, but still imitate and pretend us. Respect to those that see us equal and befriend us. But if you poo cluck, you'll get your poop chuck. We'll rearrange and turn your e-haw to who, huh? And digaboos who coon shuck and buffoon us can't platoon with us. Silly abuse. There's no justice, it's just They got us waiting on the profit, you better stop it We put some people in the cockpit, they made a profit Off our labor, off our pain Chattel, chattel off the spirit, off the brain Digging deep in your psyche, you can't psych me Heard your priests like men, you won't pipe me Motherfucker, the television is lying The food is all fake, they fucking up the air While poisoning the lakes, the games is all fake Selection was rigged Work all day and they zombie out your kids. And since you treat me like animals, what I do, I'm sacking Rome like Hannibal. Yeah, stack the dead in the mausoleum. Khalil Mack off the edge in the Coliseum. No ifs, ands, or maybe revolt like we hate. You gotta do it for the baby. Freedom! Abolition. Abolition. Freedom! Abolition. Abolition, 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 abolition